Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. This is your host, Deacon Andrew Brazier. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you've given us your Son, Jesus Christ. And he came with strong words for us to hear and digest in the gospel lesson today. We learn a lot about what love, in the sense that you define it, Lord, really means. I ask you, Lord, to equip us with your Holy Spirit to have such an abandonment of the loves of this world that we learn how to truly love for the first time. To love you, Lord, truly with all our hearts, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength so that we can then turn to our neighbor and truly love them as ourselves. Lift us up in this message, Lord. Help us to hear what you are telling us in this day. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. I know here at the outside service we don't have Bibles, but if you want to pull up your app, I'm going to be looking at Romans 6, which was the epistle reading this morning. And in case you're curious, today I brought my new King James Version. Uh, We read it from the ESV, but as I read along, it'll be from the new King James Version. But friends, what I want to start off with is about the gospel, because the gospel... It's fundamentally a simple message. And gospel, it's a simple word. But it has a profound impact upon our lives. That is, if we truly believe. Now, the word gospel has been used in so many ways, in so many fashions, I fear sometimes that it loses its meaning. You hear the word and you gloss over, perhaps. But remember that this single word in English, gospel, it conveys a meaning of two words in the English, of good news. So let's talk about for a second what gospel does not mean. It doesn't mean self-help. It doesn't mean a to-do list. And it doesn't mean steps to heaven. It simply but beautifully means good news. And another way to encapsulate the meaning of gospel is the word proclamation or an announcement. And what that announcement constitutes is good news and should give us an occasion to rejoice. And the good news, folks, is that God became human, took on the mantle of Messiah himself to save us from the sin in our hearts that leads to our death. Our God died and was resurrected to new life so that we may be so united, so unified with him, that his own spirit will guide and govern us and make a home within us to make us into new creatures. And as new creatures, we bring life to the dead. We're the shock troops ahead of the coming kingdom of God. Not that by our own actions we will make the kingdom of God, but that we are announcing and proclaiming the good news that the kingdom is coming. This kingdom, as we confess in the Nicene Creed, shall have no end. And it shall transform all of creation to something new. Something for us is just unimaginable. Now that's good news. Death is defeated. The dead are not permanently gone. This beautiful and yet this deceptive creation that we live in shall be made right and made anew. All that is sad will be undone. Yet for far too many of us, when we hear the good news that we're free from our sin, 
How do we respond? Much like some of the hearers of the gospel when St. Paul was preaching. Take a look with me at Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? How does St. Paul respond? In verse 2. Certainly not. How shall we who've died to sin live any longer in it? Died to sin. How have we who've died to sin live any longer in it? Now you may ask yourself, when did I die to sin? Or how did I die to sin? We'll look at verses 3 through 4. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into His death? Therefore we were buried with Him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Friends, your baptism drowned the person that you were born as. It drowned the old nature of sin lying within your heart. It kills sin and makes room for the Spirit of God to descend upon you, just as it descended upon our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ at His own baptism. You know, your baptism kills the old man to make room for God to fill your heart and to make it into a new creation. Now this is most beautifully illustrated by baptism in full immersion, which our Southern Baptist friends and other traditions have kept. We need to be drowned in our baptism so that we can be raised up into newness of life, as St. Paul says. And the prophet Jeremiah said it well in chapter 17, 9 of his letter, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's the reason why we need this new heart. That's why we need to be drowned in our baptism. And Lutherans and Anglicans especially know this well because that's why at our own baptism we pray the flood prayer. This prayer, it ties together the fact that just as the evil world needed to be drowned into the flood waters at the time of Noah, we too need our evil hearts to be drowned so that we may be saved just as Noah and his family were saved in the ark. Seems drastic, right? But sinners, we're in dire need of new life. What's the big deal, you may ask yourself? Well, look back at what St. Paul says in verses 5 through 7 here. For if we've been united together in the likeness of His death, that's Christ's death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of His resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with Him, that the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. By virtue of your baptism, Christian, you're fully united in a mystical, wonderful way with the God-man, Jesus Christ. You have a union so strong, so powerful with God that he places his very spirit, the same spirit that his son, Jesus Christ, has into your heart. Because you're united, because you're married to Christ, you're going to be raised from the dead just as He was raised from the dead, in which we celebrated just a couple of months ago in Easter. So your natural self, that old man, that default position we talked about a few Sundays ago, that sinful nature of ours, you know, it was crucified 2,000 years ago on a hill outside of Jerusalem when Jesus was crucified. His crucifixion becomes our crucifixion when we take on that baptism. 
and we put on Jesus Christ. So knowing this, knowing this, how in the world can we just continue to be sold out slaves to our old petty, inhuman, sinful natures? You died with Jesus 2,000 years ago. You have been set free by virtue of what He has accomplished. And even more so, besides being conquerors of your own sin because of what Christ did in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago, you are set free to now walk in good works. Not to turn around and say, well, I can sin and all is forgiven. Because let's pick up with St. Paul in verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over Him. For the death that He died, He died to sin once for all. But the life that He lives, He lives to God. Now, this life of Christ is the only human life that was fully lived for God, to God, by God. The life of Christ is the life that Adam and Eve, so many, many years ago, were called to perform, were called to live, but instead they sinned. They choose their own will instead of God's will. But now, now, fellow brothers and sisters, we have the opportunity to live new life today. Not after we die, not after Christ returns, not when we're in heaven waiting for the resurrection. No, like today, right now, is the day of salvation, as St. Paul will tell us. And it's also the day of having the new life by virtue of that spirit that lives within you. So St. Paul continues in verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God and Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts? St. Paul is very clear in his writing. St. Paul wants us to remember that we are dead to our sin. Why? Because we have been provided the very Spirit of God to battle and to conquer our own sinful desires. We couldn't do it before, but now with the Spirit of God we have no excuse. For now, we are so bound and unified with Christ that we are more than conquerors because the conqueror has gone out before us. Now it's far too easy for many of us to, to fall into the trap that this means that we now earn our salvation. We've got to make sure that we achieve it, make sure that we're doing all the right things, or else we're outside the camp, we're outside the church. Now, remember what I first started with, what I first said to you. The gospel is good news. It's news. It's not a to-do list. It's not what's next. It's a simple but wonderfully beautiful message that it is finished. So by faith, as St. Paul told us a few chapters before and a couple Sundays ago we heard, we are reckoned by faith is God's own. And now, now we lead the new life in response to the salvation freely given to us. That's why we were freed from our sin to walk in newness of life, to walk in the good works that God has provided for us to walk in. So this means that St. Paul tells us in verses 13 through 14 here, And do not present your members as an instrument of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. 
For sin shall not have dominion over you. For you're not under the law, but under grace. Sin does not have dominion over us, Christian. It did once before. Before our faith. Before our belief. Before our baptism. Before the Spirit of God dwelt within us. Sin had dominion over us. For those of us who are baptized, who have faith, we have no excuse. Why do we live like the rest of the world? We don't have to. We've been given the new life today. So live it. Those who are without the Spirit of God should notice something peculiar about us. But do they? Do they look at you and me and notice something different about us? Ask yourself that hard question. Are you fighting your sin daily? Dying daily? Praying to God so that you can conquer the evil that lies within your heart? Are you just getting by and telling yourself day by day the lie of an old bumper sticker I once saw? I'm just like everyone else, except that I'm saved. I'm just like everyone else, except I'm saved. What horror. Christian, I'm here to tell you, you are different. You're not special. You're very far from being special. You didn't earn it, but you're different. You're different from the person that you were born. Because when you were born, you were born with that mark of sin that is upon all our lives. And by default, we fell into that sin. But by virtue of your faith and your baptism in Christ, you're marked and sealed by God. And you're given new life and commissioned to go. Go and make disciples. So live that new life today. Fight your sin. Engage in the battle with Satan. For Christ has gone before you and has chained Satan to free the captives of whom we once were. That means that there's people out there who are still in their chains, who have not received the key to their freedom, who have not received the Spirit of God. They're still locked up in their sin, and they need the key to their salvation, faith in Jesus Christ. So how dare we keep their key to salvation? How dare we keep it a secret from them by keeping it to ourselves within our own hearts? Friends, after all, it's good news. And who doesn't share good news? Who doesn't tell their neighbor they're cancer-free? Who doesn't tell someone that I've got the new job I was looking for? Who doesn't go to their friend and keep a secret that, by the way, a baby's been born? You don't keep that to yourself because it's good news. You welcomely share it with others. Yet we, far too often, keep quiet about the transformation of being a slave to sin to be a transformed human being living in the path of righteousness. As St. Paul says in verse 15, What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? Certainly not! Paul, once again, within 15 verses, has to address the question we started on. The same question. Shall I continue to sin then? No! You should take up your cross, as our Lord tells us in the Gospel lesson, and bear the life of being a servant to Almighty God who has called you to live a sacrificial life of good works and handing out the keys to new life. The gospel. Paul continues in 16. Do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death, or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became 
slaves of righteousness. That's right. You were once a slave to sin, but now, those of us who are Christians, who have faith, we're slaves of righteousness. It's not our choice. It's what we are called to do. Now, being transferred from the slavery to the kingdom of Satan, which will have an end, to the kingdom of God, which shall have no end. And that's the key to this passage in the letter of Romans. When you were once a slave to your selfish desires and ambitions, it led to death. For as he will conclude this chapter, the wages of sin is death. You were once a slave to your own deceitful heart, as Jeremiah prophesied. But now, we've been freed. But you didn't free yourself. You didn't escape your slavery to claim your freedom as your own. Your slavery was precisely because you were doing exactly what you wanted to do and when you wanted and what did that lead to the wages of sin are death but now now you've been freed you've been purchased and set free by another a redeemer has come and has paid the price to redeem you from the muck and the filth that we were each one in another has come and paid the high cost to make you his own Jesus dies the death that he dies on the cross and he sheds out his blood for you, for me. And our master who has now bought us has called us to spread the good news, the good news of life to all in whom we're in contact with. Our mothers, our brothers, our sisters, our fathers, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. And that will bring strife, as the gospel lesson taught us. Daughters will be against mothers, sons against fathers, mother-in-law, sister-in-law. Our very closest will come against one another. But we are called to preach that good news. Will you heed the call of your master? Will you yield to the spirit that resides within you? If so, then take up the plow. Start bearing the fruit of the Spirit and reap the harvest that's before us. There's lost sheep out there. There are also wolves within and wolves without who seek to devour you and me. But you've already been redeemed by that good shepherd. So seek not to preserve your own life, your own career, your own fortune, your own reputation, your own vanity, or your favorite and closest relationships. Seek instead to save the lost sheep who are entangled in the brush of their own desires, their own lusts, their own vanities, their own sin. Pull them out from the briars of sin. Bring them safely to the Good Shepherd and give them the good news that the Good Shepherd is coming to free them. The Good Shepherd who is uniting His lost sheep into one flock, one church. So let us pray. Heavenly Father, make us brave. Help us to bravely tackle the sin within our life. Remind us that we do not have to fight the battle for the Son. Our Savior Jesus Christ has fought the battle and won. Now we must enter the contest, not unarmed, but equipped with the very Spirit of God. Stop us from going back to our old ways. Don't let us be like the people of Israel who wandered through the desert and longed to return to slavery in Egypt. Make us into new men, Lord Jesus. Make us to be like your servant Joshua, who when he saw 
even giants in the land before him, told the congregation of Israel that they could conquer because you, Lord, were with them, and you, Lord, already promised them victory. Make us brave to find the lost sheep of Israel and to bring them to you, to your church. Forgive us our sin and for neglecting the great gift that you have given us by the mercy of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Now we continue on pages 126 and 127. Let us confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you, and with thy spirit, lift up your hearts. We lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God. It is meet and right so to do.